If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you the rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, and everything you need is all in one place, and here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup's like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify, with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish a video podcast to Spotify. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Join us as we set sail to discover the true, uncommon history of Blackbeard the Pirate. History is full of extraordinary tales of questionable characters, outlaws, heroes, and thought-provoking narratives passed down from generation to generation like grandma's recipes. These real-life stories and exaggerations of fiction have helped shape our culture and created a larger-than-life accounts of legend. Each week we will uncover fun facts of historical events, interesting places, famous people, and everything in between. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeart, YouTube, or your favorite podcast listening app to listen to the show for free. So grab your sweet tea, your fried green tomatoes, and pull up a chair as we uncover little-known facts of uncommon history. Hello and welcome to Uncommon History. I'm Brian. And I'm Harold. Harold, we are season three, episode two. Yes, sir. What are we going to talk about tonight? Pirates. Arr. Blackbeard. All right, I'm ready, excited. <laughs> Before we get into it, um, hey, we could use your help support the podcast by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. We have a YouTube page, um, Facebook, Instagram. Make sure to follow us on those. Um, so, Harold, what happened today in Kentucky history? Today in Kentucky history, which is March the 3rd, in 1783, the District of Kentucky was formed by the Virginia Assembly. And, Brian, you know what three counties that was our first three counties? I'm going to say... I got it wrong. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Lincoln County. Yes. Mercer County. That's what I did wrong. Okay, Lincoln was Mercer was part of Lincoln then. Mm-hmm. Um, I should know this. I should too, and I admit, I, did, I got it wrong because I thought Mercer was one of the first. Uh, Fayette. Fayette. So we got Lincoln, Fayette, and be Boone. Jefferson. Jefferson. Okay. Lincoln, Fayette, and Jefferson. Uh, and the first uh, court session was held in Harrodsburg, Kentucky. Same date. So in eighteen seventeen, the first commercial steamboat ran from Louisville to New Orleans in 18 and 17. That's pretty early. That is. That's earlier than I thought it was. Um, it, it operated first uh, continuous operation. Right. You know, the first route, I guess you'd say, on a, ran on a schedule. Uh, in 1820, a Postal Weights Tavern in Lexington burned down. Now, to, for us, that's just a, a obscure place in time, but 
at that time, Postal Waits was a very popular uh, political gathering place. Uh, it was there wasn't that many places in Lexington that early, and and it was a it was a noted place, and it's mentioned a lot in early Kentucky histories of Lexington and Fayette County. Right. In 1837, uh, the U.S. Marine Hospital in Louisville was approved as one of seven hospitals to be built along the Mississippi River. Well, being a former Marine. But Louisville is not on the Mississippi River. No. And I thought, well, I guess they meant Ohio and Mississippi River. Right. And yesterday, the 2nd, March the 2nd, in 1970, UK basketball history, and I apologize to those listeners that aren't UK basketball fans. Well, if they're not, they should be. Well, they should be. That's yeah. right. Dan Issel became the first UK basketball player to score 2,000 points. And guess who who they were playing? Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. You're right. Issel scored 2,138 points in his three years at UK. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. That's an amazing career. That's pretty cool. So tonight we're going to talk about pirates. You're going to talk about Blackbeard. Arr. Yes. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this one. Yes. Uh, Brian, let's define some things. Let's first of all let's talk about. I did not know, I didn't realize until I got to digging into this to do this podcast, how much pirate culture had influenced our culture today primarily through words and, and so forth. And it's things that we think about every day. That we, and it's still so popular in books and movies and right. TV shows and, right. you know, that lifestyle. And there's a lot of misconceptions that, you know, that's been Hollywoodized, I guess you would say, right. about their actual culture and their real life. Well, it's amazing. It's just like uh, with John Dillinger, Jesse James, yep. uh, some of the gorillas we talked about, Quantrail, different people. Some people visualize and see these people in a more romantic uh, sense, uh, more of a, a good guy versus evil. Uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's probably not even close right. to reality. You, you know, and one of the questions I have, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer or not, but did, did the pirates, didn't they free a lot of slaves or give them the opportunity? Well, they were, at this point of time in this research, which was the late 1600s, early 1700s, the slave trade was going on all over the world. There were right. countries dealing in that all over the world. And they would capture these ships, and they would sell them, uh, you know, just like anything else. Okay. Now, sometimes they would uh, just dump them and get rid of them, and, they, and they'd take the ship. Right. And it depended. Depend on the captain yeah, or the I crew. Yeah, a story to tell at the end of, end of our podcast about that. But, uh, yeah, but some of the things that we – well, let's talk about some of the movies, okay? Now, I just went through a list of, of, of movies, and some of them you know immediately, and some of them I haven't seen. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not really watched that many movies. On, but Pirates of the Caribbean, of course, is the first thing that comes to mind oh, because yeah. that's the big blockbuster. That was three different movies of that. Yeah. And then one that you probably don't think about in those terms is Captain Phillips. And that was uh, a story, a modern-day story about pirates taking over a ship and the and the trauma that the captain went over. Huh. Um, I was trying. I, was, I went blank on the the actor. I'll tell you, Tom uh, Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom yeah, Hanks right. Captain with Phillips. the uh, Somali pirates. Right. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there's a movie called just simply called Pirates. There's one called Blackbeard, who we're going to talk about tonight, and the Muppet movie, Muppet <laughs> yeah. Treasure Island. Yeah. Yeah. The Goonies. Yeah. Believe it or not, Peter Pan was a. 
right? pirate movie. That was a pirate. Pirates of Penzance, that was in 1981. Uh, Blackbeard's Ghost in 1968, that was a Disney movie, I think. Yeah. Uh, Black Swan in 1942. Uh, Pirates Band of Misfits in 2012. Uh, Seahawk in 1940. Uh the Princess Bride. I didn't have a date for that movie. You know that was in the eighties, and that was probably, still probably one of my favorite movies. Really, I, anytime it's on, it's a remote drop for me because I'll, I'll watch it. It, it. It's it's still. I mean, it's a great movie. It's a Is really it? good. Yeah. I have never seen. I need to watch it. I guess. Uh, the Crimson Pirate in nineteen fifty two, Treasure Island in nineteen seventy. Yeah. Of course, you know that was what Robert Louis Stevenson's classic novel, right. Treasure Island. Uh, the Golden Age of Piracy. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, that era, for most people that research this, say from 1690 to about 1730. Is that the Golden Age? It's called the Golden Age, okay. yes. Now, that's only, what, 40 years? Yeah. So that's not a long time. In, in the span of history, that's not a long time. And, and did, you know, I guess piracy kind of started because of the war between England and Spain? The, the privateering come well, out of that? Uh, yeah, it goes way back. Uh, I, guess, I guess piracy's been around since there's been ships. I mean, right, but I'm talking about the main... Yeah, the Golden Age. The Golden Age, yes, yeah, right. Yes, it's France, Spain, and Great, Great Britain. Those yeah. are the three major players. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about Queen Anne's War and all that, and that, that had a big effect on that. But um, pirate terms, these are things that we use every day. Shimmer me timbers. That's the first one, yeah. <laughs> Swashbuckler. Uh, ahoy, matey. Uh, walk the plank, gang plank, and believe it or not, Long John Silver's. Most people would immediately think of right. fast food place. Yeah, yeah. Okay, parlay. Yeah. Land lover, lubber. <laughs> yeah. Land lubber. First mate, R R R R. Plunder. Under the black flag started with piracy. You know, Quantrell supposedly under the boy that didn't start with him. Right. Uh, skull and bones. Yeah. Uh, especially on a flag. Uh, Jolly Roger, yeah. And then kind of phrase, it goes into phrases like between the devil and the deep blue sea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bite the bullet is a, actually a come from a pirate term. Really? Blow me down. Uh, blue Monday. You know what blue, you know, it's, it's a, we think of Monday, blue Monday. You know why they looked at blue Monday and used it as a term in piracy? No. Because in the, in the British government, that was a day of punishment. Oh. So if you'd stepped out of line, you was flogged or whatever or whatever on Monday. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a day of punishment. That's why I called it Blue Monday. Um, Royal Navy, I guess, started with pirates. I don't know. Uh, bombed. <laughs> <laughs> Drunk. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Rome, booty. Yeah. Booty. Captured booty, treasure. Right. Clean slate. The term clean slate. Every 24 hours on a ship, they would write instructions and directions on a slate. Okay. Every 24 hours, that was updated, and they had to clean the slate. Didn't know that. That's where that started. Cut and run. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, to cut the, the rope. Rope and run, yeah. yeah from, if they were in a the battle, if they were. Sales, yeah. Right. Uh, Davy Jones Locker. Yeah. That's an old, every pirate, you know. And that was started with some guy saying that the souls of drowned sailors went into a locker owned by this Davy Jones. Nobody knows who Davy Jones is, but anyway, you can see it the Pirates of the Caribbean a lot. Oh, yeah. Other movies. Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah. Uh, Deep Sixth uh, 
and, and deep six started with when the water is greater than 36 feet 11 inches that's six fathoms mm-hmm. so they call that the deep six meaning six fathoms down the hatch uh it's a, it's a cargo hole in the mm-hmm. ship and things got thrown down the hatch uh get hitched actually started as a pirate term about getting married gingerbread work i always thought that was a victorian era term used on victorian houses no, it started back in the 1600s with pirate ships or the, the ships ornamental in decoration around the, the ship. Ornamental, which could be very elaborate, and oh, very yeah. beautiful. Uh, given a wide berth, yeah, and grog, which is yeah. was a diluted rum, and land ho, and yeah, we'll quit there. But anyway, <laughs> it just can go on and on. But I, I, I was surprised at all the terms that we use in, in our language today that uh, involve. Pirates and pirate history. Yeah. Okay, there's there's some, uh, well, first of all, I probably should, what do you think a pirate is, Brian? We need to define what is a pirate. You know, I, I think, think, we know I, I think that's somebody is. that goes into private service for themselves and on a ship uh, or a group. You know, there would be a group of men that agree that, hey, we're going to go against um, the government. Right. And and they're going to privateer. They're going to go out and capture ships and sell it and split the profits. Right. Well, uh, if you, I looked up in a, quote, meaning, official meaning of a pirate, someone who robs at sea or plunders the land from the sea without having a commission from a, any sovereign nation. So yep. that kind of is what we use as a baseline for what we call a pirate. Right. Now, um, you're going to hear some terms in here that I want to go over. Um, and th- one of the terms we're going to be using is Queen Anne's War. Um, and, of course, uh, Blackbeard named one of his ships the Queen Anne's Revenge. What was Queen Anne's War? For people that aren't real uh, up on world history, uh, that's just, this ran from like 1702 to 1713. It was the second in a series of French and Indian wars fought in North America involving Great Britain, France, and Spain. And in Europe, it was generally viewed as the War of Spanish Succession and the Americas, uh, War of Spanish Succession in the Americas, excuse me. And in France, it was viewed as the Second Intercolonial War. So what happened was, to make this set the stage a little bit, you had each country would hire um, seamen to pilot ships, some of them official government, some of them privateers. Privateer means he owned his own ship. And they would commission them to go out and pirate other ships. The, the other countries Rob, they were at war against. To, to take right. them over, take the plunder, bring it back to the country, and they would get like a portion of that. Mm-hmm. And they could legally do that. They would commission them to do that. Well, now... Here's the deal, especially a privateer. Um, it takes a special kind of person, I think, to do that. I think you, you've got to have some set of skills. You, first of all, obviously, you've got to be a good seaman. You've got yeah. to know the ocean. but And you've got to be able to pilot a, a ship and, uh, and understand wind and everything. But you had to have the right mentality. Now, if you were going to go out and take all the risk and provide the ship and only get 30% of the booty, why wouldn't you just do it and get 100%? Yeah. So after a while, it's not hard to figure out human nature as we are. Oh, yeah. that, that would not take long. So these guys began to do this on their own. 
and that started what we call the golden age of piracy. Now, there's some people that we're going to run into. Um, Steve Bonnet uh, was another pirate that was with Blackbeard at one time, and we're going to talk about him a little bit. Uh, first of all, the Blackbeard's names, he had a couple names that actually uh, Edward Teach, T-E-A-C-H, Edward Thatch, T-H-A-T-C-H, or something like that. Um, and then there was a Drummond. Someone gave him the name, the last name of Drummond. We don't know much about him. We don't. We don't have a lot about his early history. Um, Steve Bonnet, as we as we mentioned here, we're going to talk about him a little bit more. And in South Carolina, the British governor was Robert Johnson. Now, these names, it's important for us to remember because they're going to play a part in the story a little later. Okay. The North Carolina governor was Charles Eden. Okay, and there's a little town in Charleston, North Carolina where I've been called Edenton. I'm going to talk about being down there and everything because I've chased a lot of this stuff down, Brian. I've been to the locations where a lot of this stuff happened. Uh, the governor of Virginia was Alexander Spotswood. He's going to be very important in this story. Um the places that are important, uh, Beaufort or Beaufort, whatever. Beaufort, South Carolina. Beaufort, it's, South uh, Carolina Inlet. Paris Island there, boot camp. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and it's near Moorhead City, North Carolina. Yep. Edenton, North Carolina. Uh, and Charleston, South Carolina. And, of course, the Bahamas, Bermuda, West Indies, British West Indies, and all those areas. Right. So, uh, Steve Bonnet, uh, he was another pirate that was about the same time as Blackbeard. As a matter of fact, they came together. They they worked under a guy and had got kind of trained in this in this world. Uh, but different than than Blackbeard, Bonet seemed to be a fairly well off landowner before he went to pirating. Hmm. And he inherited a lot of land and he was born in Barbados and his family had a lot of land there. And for some reason, he joined with Blackbeard after they captured a ship uh, or two, and they formed kind of a, somewhat of a partnership, and then he got a ship, and Blackbeard got a ship, and they traveled together. Now, the problem that Bonet had was he evidently did, wasn't doing as well as Blackbeard, and so when he failed to capture a ship called the, the, the uh, Protestant Caesar, his crew kind of mutinied. You know, and they left him and joined Blackbeard. So without a crew, he's nothing. Mm-hmm. So Blackbeard took him on his ship as a, quote, guest, you might say, or just someone along for the ride. Uh, in 1718, he was uh, pardoned by Governor Charles Eden. we got to remember, Charles Eden pardoned a lot of these pirates, but we're going to talk about why after a while. Uh, but he was given clearance to go uh, privateering against Spanish fleets. Now, the reason they wanted the Spanish fleets, obviously, was because of all the gold and silver that they were carrying out of what's now Mexico in, right. in that area. So he returned to piracy after a while, and he changed his name to uh, Captain Thomas or whatever, and he called his ship the Royal James. Um, he was, uh, in August of 1718, off the coast of Cape Fear, he was repairing his ships, and uh, William Rhett from Charleston, South Carolina, which that Rhett name is synonymous with South Carolina, uh, Charleston, I'm sorry, South Carolina. And uh, he was under the direction of South Carolina Governor Robert Johnson to capture, to capture him. 
Okay. So Rhett swooped in on him after about a six-hour gun battle. They captured him. He was brought to Charleston. Uh, they did not honor the North Carolina governor. Pardon. And, and the commission. On December the 10th, 1718, they hung him. Well, he'd, he'd, he had jumped his commission. He'd went back to pirating. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had kind of jumped the, his, his position there. So um, it's now we think of governor as governor today, but that was a British governor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also Governor Spotswood of Virginia seemed to have more sway in the colonies than the other governors. And, and they had basically a direct commission from the king to rule in his place here in those states. Right, yeah. right. Um, brings up another thing I want to talk about, too, before we get into deep into the story is what did Blackbeard look like? Well, you know, the modern pop culture is, you know, the big Blackbeard with the uh, fuses in it that he would light and it would flame, you know, would smoke and, and everything. Right. And so the typical pirate hat with the typical pirate clothing. Well, I, I, I did a little research, and I found people that n- knew him or was around him described him, and that's, I think, the most accurate we can get. Yep. He was described as a tall, quote, spare man, I guess fairly thin, okay. uh, very heavy black beard, and he wore it very long. Another author described him as uh, being bearded uh, with long pigtails, which he tied with colored ribbons. <laughs> you don't think of that, do you? No. Another describes him as uh, such a figure that imagination cannot form an idea of the fury from hell to look at more frightful. Um, he was tall and broad-shouldered by another description. He wore knee-high boots, usually dark clothing, topped with a wide hat and sometimes long coat Brightly colored in uh, bright colors, silk coated, bright velvet. Now, have you ever been? I mean, here's what it, it just drives me crazy. Every image that I've ever seen of him, of course, there was no photography right. at that time, way before photography, but every sketch and image of him has a long coat on. Yeah. Have you ever been to South Carolina in August? Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. I can't imagine. I can't imagine the long. You know, the coats. the only thing is, if he was going into battle, the long coat, if it was a leather, heavy leather or something, it could protect him from knife slashes, yeah. those kinds of things. But I'd uh, have heat exhaustion or something. I mean, I couldn't imagine wearing those kind of clothes in summer. And I mean, Charleston could be oppressive heat oh, all yeah. down in that area. In the Bahamas, you've been there in the summer, and it's just awful. Uh, in battle, he had pistols. Of course, everything was a single shot pistol back then. Right. And he hung them all over him, as many as six pistols at a time, or three braces of pistols. He would hang over him. He would take this match fuse, which they lit cannons with and did other things, and he would interweave it in his hair and in his beard, and he would light them. And that smoke would come up all around his head, and it made him look a lot more fierce. Yeah. And he understood psychological warfare to a certain extent. He knew how to Intimidate. intimidate. Right. Interesting fact about him, though, is there is no record of Blackbeard having murdered or harmed anyone that he captured. Really? Mm-hmm. We but, would think. But with all the, the, you know, the tales throughout history, he was, uh, you know, just a, a murdering savage. Right. Well, I'm, I'm sure he was a fierce fighter. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he seemed to have a fairly 
He had a code about him. Code about him, I guess, would be a good word. Thank you. Uh, Blackbeard's flag. We've mentioned a little little bit. He had two, it seems like. He had one that was totally black with a white skull and crossbones, just like the movies say. Mm -hmm. Okay. But there was another one he had was just a solid red flag with nothing on it, I guess, to represent blood. I don't know. Yeah. Solid red flag. You know, we don't think about things like this today with our modern communication, but flags back then were very important. Yeah. Because they that's the only visual. Well, they could communicate exactly. between ship to ship and exactly. ship to shore. And, and you know who, who was who and yeah. so forth. Uh, and sometimes it was a coded thing yeah. where they could, they the only ones would know was the ones that needed to know. Yeah. Um, in May 1718, Blackbeard uh, blockaded Charleston, South Carolina. All vessels entering or leaving the port were stopped, and the town had no guard ship, so they they were not prepared for that kind of a force. Well, why did he blockade? We're going to get to that. <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> or otherwise, it, they didn't have any kind of naval protection, I guess even cannon from the shore or whatever. Right. Um, the uh, port's pilot ship, when you go in and out of a port back then, um, without modern navigation, people that don't live on the ocean, and I don't, but I've been there a lot, sands change, the mm-hmm. current changes things. So there's always a channel. Sometimes they had to dredge a channel. But there's always a channel to get in and out of shallow water. And the water probably is not as deep down there as you would think. Right. So there was always a pilot ship. Well, the first thing he did, he captured the pilot ship. And then he stopped some other ships and commandeered them and took the people hostage, some of them prominent people. And he put them down below deck, and he kept them for about a half a day. (laughs) <laughs> now, <laughs> the reason, I guess it's not funny in a way, Brian. No, it's not. But you kind of know this, a little bit of this story. <laughs> he demanded medical supplies from town and a doctor. <laughs> now, so there was this kind of, I won't go into a lot of Was deep. he wounded from a battle? He uh, no, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. He had, uh, let's say he'd been with some loose women. Okay. okay? <laughs> and those loose women had probably been with some loose men, men you know, right. so we on and on. So anyway, he had a problem. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> right. And he needed medical attention. <laughs> and that was the only place that they knew of that he could get it. Now, he was so desperate that he blockaded the whole town. One of two. Yeah. <laughs> he blockaded the whole town. Uh <laughs> He sent word back with those hostages that if they didn't give him what he demanded, that he would kill all of them and cut their heads off and send them to the governor of, of what's his name? The, uh, South Carolina? Yeah, Robert Johnson. Johnson, yeah. yeah. They would, he would send them to Johnson. So the, the obviously the Charles he actually sailed into the harbor a little bit too, and the whole town just went on a panic because, I mean, you're talking about a formidable force here. Yeah. Several ships, several hundred pirates, and – you know, the image of that is yeah. Well, anyway. Well, the mythology that goes with Blackbeard, yep. you know, that, that would be enough to frighten a small village or a village. Well, they sent, a, sent some guys in, and they got drunk and got, <laughs> and got and, and it was late, and he was getting impatient. And anyway, they finally worked it out, okay? The, the doctor came out to the ship, and after he told Blackbeard of the remedy for his problem, <laughs> he refused treatment. So, <laughs> so he went to all this yeah, trouble right. to, to, to capture a port, right. and so shut it down, and then he finds out the remedy and said, He's no, a, changed his mind. No, he yeah. wouldn't. No. Okay. <laughs> and, and like I said, I won't get into that. 
we'll just leave that to everybody's <laughs> imagination. But anyway, so then he, the hostages, he did let them go, didn't harm anybody, but yeah. he did keep their valuables and their fine clothes. Right. So he oh, did, yeah, to have something he, for, yeah. for all the effort. For his trouble. Yeah. So he sent, he sent the ships, uh, you know, let them have their ships back and everything. Now, we're going to move on from Charleston to Beaufort Inlet. I bet that's where Shimber my, t- Shimber my timbers come from. Is yeah. <laughs> that incident? <laughs> June 10th, 1718, Teach learns that uh, Woods Rogers uh, from England was after pirates with several man-of-war ships, uh, and he was patrolling the coast of North America. It's amazing how these guys in primitive times knew what was going on because he got wind of things before it happened. And if you think about primitive transportation all we I, I don't think we fully understand that world at all. No. So Teach sailed the Queen Anne's Revenge, and that was a ship, the a French ship, a slave ship called La Concordia. He captured that ship, and I don't know what he did. The slaves sold them or freed them or whatever, and he renamed it the Queen Anne's Revenge. So he, it was a very formidable ship. He put forty cannon on it. It was it was quite a quite a thing to behold. Uh, however, um, in the shallow waters around where he was, that thing didn't navigate as fast and quick as as it would out on the open sea. It was a bigger, sea. heavier boat. Right. So he felt like that was a burden to him as well as some of the men he had. So he purposely beached that ship on a sandbar. Uh, then he sailed away. Now, some of the men that he abandoned and all ended up, that ended up costing him later. And we'll get into that, but they they were he left at least twenty five or more. We don't know for sure. But anyway, um, after it had become a liability to him, like I said, he just just just, just dished it. Now we're going to talk about they found that ship, and I won't talk about that later. In modern times, we we've okay. done an archaeological dig. We found that ship. They or they have. I'm sorry. Uh, he kind of got to that fight or flight mentality. You know, he knew that his times was was uh, could be close they had never went after him like they have gone now you know right. he never faced any real formidable forces the thing about pirates is they were real fierce and everything and they were on the offensive but when you put them on the defensive with overwhelming forces you know you saw a whole different guy there you didn't see yeah. that, that fierce well guy they didn't have the advantage they didn't have the element of surprise right so teach said uh, he had settled down for a while in Bath, North Carolina. And one account, he said he married the daughter of a prominent landowner, and that's up in the air. Some says he did, some says he didn't. He may have not have been as a primitive uh, guy as we may think he was. Some says he was from a fairly wealthy family. Um, and he, he was born in, in, uh, in uh, Bristol, England. Well, you know, to, to captain a, sh- a ship, to captain a ship or and, and a crew, you have to be a fairly sharp person. You, the average guy couldn't go out and do what he did. Well, you have to be a, and, and, and an you intelligent to- person. You know what I'm saying? He, he had to have some skills there. Now, whether it was formal education or not, he, he had to be above the average person. Well, here's the thing about it is the men of the ships got a portion of what they captured. Right. All right, so the captain had to give the orders, and the men had to follow for this to work. So he had to be authoritative. Now, didn't figure. the crew also pick the captain? 
Well, I don't know. Uh, they may have after they got out there because they would overwhelm him if, if, if he didn't. Yeah. But he'd have to have a loyal following. In other right. words, he'd have to be a good judge Trust. of character. He'd have to pick the right people. But he'd also have to perform. He'd have to go out there and make these guys money. That's what it was all about. Yeah. It was they were they were all greedy, I guess. But yeah. some, but anyway, it was all about the money when it come right down to it. And yeah. they for, if they weren't getting anything, they were wasting their time. And they and, you know, he wasn't gonna get bark out orders to somebody that they didn't respect. It yeah. wasn't successful. But here's a here's a catch to this story that I've always wondered about. This uh, Governor Eden in in this town, the county of Bath, town of Bath, North Carolina, um, you know, he pardoned these guys real quick, and Blackbeard moved in the same town with him, and I guess that benefited maybe them both. But I often wondered, uh, was Governor Eden afraid of him? That's kind of the first when I first read of this, I thought, well, man, maybe this guy's. Like he's afraid of him if he if he tries to buck him he's liable to kill him right or whatever destroy his family uh, was or the town too they, you know. uh, yeah I mean he could destroy a whole town yeah you know uh, if it was near the water those those forty cannons on the Queen Anne's Revenge could level the town oh, in a yeah. matter of minutes uh, getting money from him maybe Pain uh, protection. was he involved in the piracy or was it a political reason that Eden was trying to create some kind of balance there in the political world that we don't right. can't see from our point. Right. So the Ochre Croak Inlet, um, that was one of, it was just right there close to Bath. That's one of uh, Blackbeard's favorite places to port. And I've been there. So I kind of see uh, a little bit of, it's, it's you can go in there and you can get back in there and you can hide a little better than, and you can get out fairly quickly. So maybe, at the, of course, it's all changed since, you know, the, the, the hurricanes and all have changed a lot of that. Right. But it's a, it's a place that he liked to be. It's, now, this Governor Spotswood from Virginia had sent for uh, a William Howard, and he was a former quartermaster of the Queen Anne's Revenge. This Howard was in Williamsburg, Virginia. And he learned of him being there. And he had talked uh, about being with Blackbeard and so forth. They brought him in and a couple slaves that were with him that were on the ship. And he gained valuable information from him, like where he was at Ocracoke Inlet and places that he favorited and uh, even, you know, family or whatever. So he got out of him the information that he needed to to put together a uh plan to, to capture him or kill him. So uh, Spotswood then ordered a couple captains, uh, Golden and Brand of the HMS Pearl and Lime, L-Y-M-E, and a Lieutenant Robert Maynard. Now there's the, the key guy right there. He was just a lieutenant uh, of the HMS Pearl, but they gave him two sloops, uh, and they all set sail to capture pirates, especially Blackbeard. Yeah. Maynard only had 57 men. Uh, he sailed to along the coast of Bath, North Carolina, and down that area. And when Maynard found the pirates on the inner side of the Ocracoke Inlet on November the 21st, uh, he waited till morning to make his attack. Uh, Teach saw him coming. Uh, he, uh, he cut his anchor uh, and tried to get out of the inlet. Um, he turned his ship broadside and, and just gave that 
two sloops of volley like nobody had ever seen. It killed a third of Maynard's men with that first volley. Wow. Of course, Maynard fired back. Um, so it was a it was a huge, fierce few minutes of fighting. However, Teach was on the defensive, and he wasn't. That's not his game. Right. He had been cornered. He was on the defensive. This guy had got him right where he wanted him. Uh, it takes a while to reload a muzzle-loading cannon. You don't fire every two minutes. You know, it takes it takes. Well, maybe you could if he's really or you know, proficient but, at it. Yeah, but it, maybe it just. But whatever. They did not. Uh, they were upon Teach before he could. Before he could get away. So one of the things Maynard did was he put a good third of his men down in the hole. And Teach was viewing him, seeing the men that he had, and he thought that was it. Mm-hmm. Well, when he got alongside, and I think I've seen this in a movie somewhere, one of the movies where they sprang out of the cargo hole and everything. Right. Well, that's what he did. He That's maybe where they got it. Maynard's guys come pouring out of that cargo hole, and they got on to teach his little sloops, his ships, and it was a short fight. Uh, they backed him uh, back to the back of the boat. Uh, actually, Maynard himself and Teach actually fought hand-to-hand themselves. Hmm. They both fired point blank at one another. Um, uh, one of the other uh, pirate, or excuse me, one of the other uh, sailors on the British ship drew his cutlass and cut uh, Blackbeard really bad in the neck hmm. and almost paralyzed him. And then they shot him uh, and killed him. And that was the end of Blackbeard. Uh, he was cut across his neck so bad that he almost severed his head, but he had still tried to swing and fight his, on his way down. Uh, they said he was wounded, had been shot five times and stabbed like 12 times. Mm. You know, it's no wonder. Uh, anyway. um, ten of Maynard's men were killed, and they said about ten of the pirates were killed. Uh, Interesting fact, uh, Teach's body was wounded. Uh, well, we mentioned that. Uh, his head was cut off and placed on a pole at the entrance of Chesapeake Bay as a warning to other pirates. And it stayed there for several years. Wow. And, you know, that's, 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 pretty that's amazing. what happens to pirates. Yeah. Well, one of the things about Blackbeard is there's a lot of legend. Yeah. But wherever legend is, there's a grain of truth. Yeah. So the par- the hard part about Blackbeard, we don't for sure know his name. We don't know exactly where he was born. We don't know anything about his parenting. We don't know much about him but what legend tells us. Some of this may be true. Part about him being killed and wounded and all, I'm saying it's pretty reliable. There's a lot of escapades and things that we would get into that uh, – we could go on and on. Yeah. You know, we could write several books about that. But another phrase that I liked about doing this research that I came across is, is you cannot s- destroy a popular belief m- mere, merely by providing it to be false. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think Blackbeard is one of those people that I have uh, I have wondered about. You know, he didn't live to be about, what, 35, 40 years old. Oh, Really? So he died. So he didn't well. pirate, but for maybe ten years yeah. that we know of. Now he may have worked as a pirate under the auspices of the British government, but he didn't operate as a commanding a ship as we know of. Um, 
He's one of the most recognized and popular figures in our history. Uh, don't you think if he was alive today that he would be absolutely blown away by that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I told you at the end of this I wanted to tell a little story about uh, I have I love the North Carolina coast and South Carolina, and all my wife and I honeymooned in Charleston, South Carolina, and we go there several times. But one of the trips that we took, I had just finished this book on Blackbeard, and I told her, I said, I would love to go down to Bath and Edenton and, and all that. And for our listeners, I highly recommend that because even if you're not interested in Blackbeard, it's a beautiful, beautiful part of North Carolina, the coast there. But um, the, the old town of Edenton is just one of the neatest places I've ever been. Bath is another place. Uh, when I was there, they were doing an archaeological dig on one of the early houses there. And uh, early there is the late 1600s, you know, early wow, 1700s. Yeah. So, and then you mentioned you were going to talk about the man of war they found that he ditched. Or yeah, he the, uh, the ship, the Queen Anne's Revenge. Right. Uh, there's a museum in Moorhead City, North Carolina, which is near Ocracoke Inlet there. And um, there's a museum there, and, and the, they have found that ship, you know, some years ago. And uh, that's almost a whole podcast in itself. Maybe sometimes somebody's interested, we'll do that. But to make the long story short, they, uh, they had started pulling artifacts from that and bringing them in, conserving them. And they, they have a little museum there. You can go in and see uh, a lot of the stuff that came off the Queen Anne's Revenge. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful little museum. I was there one summer, and by the way, that is uh, Moorhead City is where the Marlin Tournament is every year. Okay. It's the one of the biggest Marlin Tournaments that have been going on. I know since I was a child, it used to be on Wide World of Sports, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was such an exotic place, but yeah. it, uh, it it's a really neat. I was there during that while that was going on, but when I went out to the end of the and there's a Civil War fort out there, and I'm sorry, I can't remember it, but I was standing out there, and I was looking out in the ocean there, and I saw the ships that were working the wreck of the Queen Anne Revenge. Okay. They were actually doing archaeological, you know, they was diving, and and that's going to go on for some time. They've already been doing that for, I guess, maybe 10 years. And you know, there's so many boats or ships that's went down on that coast that still haven't been yes. discovered. yes. So there, the, and the, of course, like I say, every time you get a hurricane, it changes everything. Yep. But um, I was standing there on the coast, and man, I was dying to be out there. <laughs> I would have loved to have been out there. Oh yeah. Uh, what a story. All right. Well, thank you for being part of Uncommon History Podcast. If you'd like to support our podcast, please share our podcast with your friends. Leave a five star review and a comment. This will help others find our podcast. And you can find us now on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Um, We'll be back next week with a new episode. Uncommon History is produced by Harold Edwards and Brian Wolfer.